This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. It's Saturday. It's match day. It's almost old school, isn't it? Football on a Saturday. As you know, previous episodes have seen me heading up to Wembley for the matches, but unfortunately not today. Not for myself and like many others over those past four matches, it's TV time today. And I realised that I have been fortunate enough to attend when many would have given their right arm to have been there. Although I did see a meme the other day saying more than one in ten England fans would cut off their little finger if it meant that we'd win the Euros. I mean, what use is the little finger? Would we miss it? So after negotiating that round of 16 with the win over Germany, it is essential that we keep concentration, essential that we don't get complacent, essential that we do not underestimate Ukraine, and it's essential that we don't draw after extra time. But playing away kind of makes you realise from a team perspective how important those home games have been and the support that we've been able to give. Wales, they played all away. Hell of a lot of travel they had to do. Portugal, they didn't play at home. Ukraine, again, they've been all over. The Czechs, too, they've been travelling. But at time of recording this, shortly before we play the Ukraine, we know two of the semi-finalists. In the quarterfinals, Spain saw off Switzerland after extra time on penalties. They won 3-1. Now, that was a proper penalty shootout for me. Goalkeepers saving them, balls going way over the bar. Yeah, enjoyed that one. Spain, though, that was their second game that went into extra time. They're going to feel that somewhere down the line. The other quarterfinal, that was a big one. Belgium against Italy. Could have gone either way before the game. You you could have tossed a coin for that one. Uh, It was Italy, though, who saw off Belgium 2-1. Good game, that one. But it means that Spain meet Italy in the first semi-final, which will be played at Wembley. And it means the other semi-final will be comprised of either the Czech Republic or Denmark, or the winners of Ukraine against England. How we'd love to be there. How we'd love to be there. Our game is the last game of the quarter-finals, so they are <laughs> they're keeping us hanging. So no pre-match nonsense from me today. I've just got a couple of beers and some ready-sorted nuts. I'm going to hide behind my sofa, and I'm going to get back to you later, when I hope to be speaking with some more great guests, who, just as a side note, I'd like to take a moment to thank over the last few weeks. They have given up their time to have a bit of a chat, and this podcast wouldn't be the same without them. And indeed, yourselves, for listening. Uh, So once again, thank you very much. I'll get back to you after the game. Hiya, Kez here, live on BBC One, ready to sing Three Lions with you as we watch Ukraine, England. I'm nervous, excited, and I'm daring to dream. 
It's a very difficult job, and the only way to get through it is we all work together as a team. And that means you do everything I say. Michael Caine there with the famous quote from the Italian job. It could also have been Gareth Southgate's pre-match team talk. Well, 4-0, who saw that coming? Who'd thought it'd be that comfortable? I had my feet up at one stage. Who'd have thought we'd be seeing a performance as good as the one against the Netherlands 25 years ago? Let's welcome Dom Smith from englandfootball.org. I know it's one game at a time, but it's hard not to dream now, isn't it? Dom, you all right? Yeah, much better for the performance against Ukraine, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, I mean, what do you think Gareth Southgate said to them before they walked out? Well, he said in the week he's treading a tightrope always about not overloading them with information and giving them too much information and bombarding them, but equally preparing them for each task. And I reckon he'll have asked them to reach the levels that you need to win a match of, of this, um, you know, this high calibre. And it was a it was a quarterfinal of a major tournament. He was asked about whether he'd rest players ahead of this game, Southgate, and he and he sort of quashed those uh, and said, "What nation on earth would would rest players for for a semi final before they've qualified for the damn thing?" And uh, I think that's fair. So, so in the end, his team sheet was pretty much his his, his first team although Sancho came in as a, a surprise selection. Yeah, they, they did a brilliant job. And, and I reckon his, his team talk at halftime was probably let, let's, let's grab that assurance goal as, as soon as we can. And I think he would have taken that, that second goal to, to come in the, in the 94th minute, frankly. But it came, uh, well, they won the free kick that, that Maguire scored that thumping header from. I think they won it 10 seconds into the second half and scored it less than a minute into the half. So... Absolutely brilliant moments for, for the for the first goal in the first half, four minutes in. Brilliant for the first goal in the second. And, and England were on their way to a, a cruising victory, you know, uh, as soon as that, uh, that that second went in, I think. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, Harry Kane, with that, that first goal in, in the game, came, what was it, three minutes into the game. And it must have been what only... What did, what did he score against Germany with five minutes to go, three minutes to go? It, it was as if it was he was being on a on a roll, but without mm. the four three four days in between, it was we just knew that that Germany goal was exactly what he needed, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think the people who have said that Harry Kane's been sluggish or, or out of it or slow are wrong in the you know pe- people who've said that in this tournament are wrong necessarily but I think there's a mixture between that and he's not been serviced he hasn't been serviced finally he has been and, and he's been defended against very well in this tournament but but not against Ukraine you, you didn't see at any point last night you didn't see him being grabbed quite so tightly as you had for the previous four games you'd seen the German uh, defenders doing it particularly the Czech Republic as well and Croatia and Scotland he'd been grabbed and and when he was holding up the ball he was having to hold it up and be careful not to get the, the nudge in the back from the defenders they weren't as close against the Ukraine and he responded by scoring two goals from open play 
doing exactly what a lot of people thought he would after that goal against Germany. It's a bit of a cliche to say, oh, as soon as a striker gets his first, he'll go on a run. That's, uh-huh. That is a bit cringe, isn't it? But but it, it happened and uh, it happened because of poor defending, but largely because he was there at the right moment to capitalise when he got, I think, two of his, his, his only three opportunities all night. I think he, he, he missed that volley, which frankly was a lovely strike oh, in the second yeah. half with his with his left foot. And and anyone who thinks he ought to have scored that with his wrong foot from that far out is uh, is deluded. <laughs> he, he missed a header. He missed a header in the first half from a free kick, what where the the ball was a little bit above him. But other than that, the other two opportunities he put away with, you know, with much aplomb. So yeah, yeah, nothing to complain about at all. Yeah, that first one he was he was in the six yard box, much where we like to to see him. The second one he was well, he was literally what seven yards out and and headed down and in. Um, but you see, he was being supplied, he was being provided. Um, that first goal, Raheem Sterling, who I thought had a had quite a good game. I mean, all the players had a, a good game, but Raheem Sterling just threaded that ball through to yeah. to Kane to slip through, much like the way that Calvin Phillips slipped it through to him to score in the opening game against Croatia. But yeah, that's that's where we want to see Harry Kane in and around that six yard box, not um, not dropping so deep. And and say so we we have, I don't think we've had harsh words over um, Harry Kane, but I think we've been been I think we've been rightly critical. Uh, I don't know. Questioning, I'd say. Questioning. Yeah, I think that, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, then we had a, uh, a fantastic effort. Declan Rice. I, I jumped up, obviously, when, when Harry Kane scored straight away. But I think had Declan Rice effort gone in, it, it was just one of those ones where, I don't know if you remember, who's it, Alan Partridge done a... Uh, <laughs> a, a um, <laughs> Uh, a, a sketch where a football sketch where he goes, wow, did you see that? He's got a foot of a traction engine or something. And it, and it just reminded yeah, me of yeah. that one. If, if that had have gone in that, that would have made his, his tournament. I think he's had a, a great tournament as well up until now. He caught that cleanly, which incidentally that came from a Raheem Sterling uh, in and around the box. Yeah, it was Paul Scholes-esque, wasn't it? Arriving oh. at the edge of the area to hammer the ball. The, the, unfortunately, it didn't have the uh, the result which was the net bulging but no no Sterling had another great England game and and to judge someone like that on goals and assists is to be much too crude about what he offers to the team you know ultimately he has got goals and assists in 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 his England games in this tournament but he offers so much more he it, it, when England played three four three in in the in the match against Germany the worry of course is that you lose that that playmaker you lose that Mason Mount type player but actually. He dropped so well when he needed to, to pick up the ball and collect it and run forward and play in players like Saka. And he did it even with Mount, you know, against Ukraine. He still did that brilliantly. And and it was while he was trying to find some space to move into himself that he saw the opportunity to pass it through to Kane and put it through about four bodies and uh, and just caught Kane on side, which was, I, I couldn't believe the accuracy and the weighted weight of the pass there. I thought it was lovely. I thought Luke Shaw deserves a mention as well, who Absolutely. who didn't didn't win um, the the official UEFA Man of the Match or Star as the, of the Match as they call it. Uh, Harry Kane did because if you score two goals in any game, you, you'll always get Man of the Match unless someone else scored three. But no, Luke Shaw won the England Man of the Match and and fully deserved it because he at the moment looks like one of the world's best left backs. I'm not sure he necessarily is, but he's having a fantastic tournament and. He's. I think last night he he equaled 
David Beckham as the England's best ever assister in a, in a single European Championships. Uh, David Beckham got three at Euro 2000, which is remarkable considering how rubbish England were at Euro 2000. <laughs> but, but no, Luke Shaw's been fantastic in this tournament. And I, actually, I think his performances have risen every single time he's played. And Southgate made that point. He didn't play against Croatia. He played against Scotland and didn't take enough risks. He played against the Czech Republic and was and was slightly better. Uh, Germany was was involved in both the goals and ultimately assisted the first, I think, two assists against Ukraine and and was also involved in the in the the first Kane goal which Sterling assisted. So yeah, he's been brilliant. And I feel for, a bit for Ben Chilwell, who's one of the uh, the only outfield players who's not got on the pitch. And and I would have liked to see him come on for minutes rather than and Trippier late on and, and I was actually saying that that I'd like to see Chilwell given minutes if England are winning regardless of the scoreline so when it was three or four nil and Trippier came on I was a bit disappointed to see that because I think Chilwell is pretty close to the level of Shaw on that left flank but ultimately Shaw's been given the the selections in this tournament and he's absolutely risen to the occasion. Yeah just something that, that you mentioned there totally sort of off off topic and, and you mentioned the the star man it only occurred to me mm. the other day that that's that's just a a promotional thing, isn't it? Did you know that? Because the is it no go on is it is it because it's Heisen's? No, oh, I was under the impression it's um, isn't it Heineken's star man and Heineken's oh. logo is a star. I may have got this totally oh, wrong. Uh, no, you know, that that sounds uh, that sounds you know suitably capitalist. I think you're probably right. <laughs> I may have got that wrong. So, I mean, email me, tweet me, whatever, if I've got that wrong. But I, it only occurred to me the other day. Um, but there you go. No, uh, the, 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 cynic, the cynic in me believes you there. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we we went in and say 1-0 up at half time. We've spoken about what Gareth would have said at half time. But they, they came out, as you say, 10 seconds in. Harry Kane won, won a free kick. And Initially, I was like, well, what's that given for? But the fella stamped on his foot. Um, as you say, Shaw crossed it in. And Maguire, slabhead now, is has come back into uh, everyone's vocabulary. Um, and, he, and he thumped it home, didn't he? He did. I- I'm trying to think about how many England players in history have scored goals in knockout matches in World Cups and Euros. I reckon it's a number that you could count on one hand, but Harry Maguire is one of them because he scored that thumping header in the quarterfinal against Sweden in 2018 and he scored a, a, another thumping header uh, against Ukraine in the quarterfinals this time round. I'm, I'm trying to rack my brains. I, I, I've got Alan Shearer. He's definitely in there. I don't know if Lineker scored in the knockout rounds of the Euros. I know he did it in two different World Cups, but England were pretty bad at the Euros when, when Lineker was playing. Yeah, 88 well, yeah. and 92 didn't well, go particularly well, did well, they? Well, he didn't make it to knockouts, no. No. So th- th- there can't be that many. Harry Kane's, of course, one of them. But Harry Maguire is as well. And, and he, he is a man for the big occasion, Harry Maguire. And it, it, was, it, was, it was a nice sight and sound to, to see and hear him, his, his head, his slab <laughs> head, as, as they call it, <laughs> connecting with the, with the arcing ball and thumping into the corner. That's, uh, that was a lovely way for England to get their second goal. And, and I watched all the players trailing behind him as he ran to the corner flag to celebrate. And, and Raheem Sterling had his, his eyes were wide open, like he couldn't quite believe that it was, a, it was one of his centre-backs who'd scored England second. But, yeah. you know, it, it was, and it was a brilliant goal. Wasn't it just? And and we we say Harry Kane got his second one with a uh, with a header just outside the uh, the six yard box. But then the the fourth goal, who would have thought? 
I know you spoke with Jordan Henderson after the. Hmm. Well, we know obviously he missed the penalty in the. Was it the Austria Romania friendly? Either one. Um, Romania, yeah. Romania, and then obviously he had his his goal chalked off against who was that was that Czech Republic it was against the Czech Republic yeah and and you spoke to him post game and he said he could feel it coming he did um I was you know that press conference was getting to the end and I could tell that he was in a good mood and I had a really deep sort of philosophical England question or a silly question about his disallowed goal and I and I I actually kind of wish that I went for the better question because when I when I heard his answer I was like what were you expecting Dom but of course it was stuff that I could barely barely use and then uh, and then he he actually put it into the net which was very kind of him I'm I'm very pleased that he was he was able to repay me there and um yeah perfect uh, he, you could see that what it meant to him i mean oh, yeah. he celebrates very kind of vigorously when he scores for liverpool but we haven't seen that for england because no. he's been so unlucky i think he's had 43 shots in in his england career without scoring and the 44th went in finally and you could see the relief because it was a monkey on his back and he and he's um he's suitably shoved it off england scored their fourth and and i think the clock was only 65 minutes or something stupid so yeah, it was um, it was one of those nights, and I've I've heard it described like um, as this, where Gareth Southgate was able to tick pretty much all the boxes that he could possibly have wanted ticked. The only thing maybe that that didn't happen that he have have liked is a, a goal or assist for Jaden Sancho, who was given a, a, a rare start, he, indeed his first in in this tournament, and therefore his first in a major tournament for England. If you, if you discount the Nations League, which I yeah. think it's fair to do. I thought Sancho had a really good game, actually. No, you're right. And much like Jack Grealish, everyone wanted him to come on in, in previous games. Now, Jaden Sancho hadn't had that start. Everyone wanted to uh, to see him start. And he did. He, and you say, had a, had a great game. Some of the, the touches he had, they they highlighted one on the uh, on the telly where he just, I think he beat a couple of men just keeping that ball to his feet like glue, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't the right game for Grealish. And, and just when the, as soon as the match ended, after he'd spoken to Shevchenko, Southgate went straight over to Grealish and, you know, put his arm around him and explained, I think, I'm guessing that's what he was doing, explained why it wasn't the match for him, which is a extraordinarily early moment to tell him. I'd be telling him on the coach journey home. And to be fair, they don't go in the same coach, I don't think, or on the plane home or, or the following day. But no, it was literally as soon as the match had ended. He, he put his his arm around Grealish, and he was probably explaining, you know, this this is why this match wasn't for you. But but I've got a match in mind, and and I assume it's the it's the European Championship semi final, which is a is a tasty fixture to play in if you're Jack Grealish, whether from the start or or as a substitute. But no, England were already winning in that game and, and needed some pace to to get away on the counter as as Ukraine pushed. But in the end. You know, I thought Rashford actually played quite well when he came on. He made a few bursts. You could see he was trying to play for his place. But but actually, in the end, there was no hunger late on from Ukraine. They, they looked a beaten side. They knew they were beaten. And, 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 it, and it, it was obvious, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Well, you said it there. It takes us into a European Championships semi-final for the first time since 1996. Denmark are the opposition. How do you feel about that? nervous to be honest they're a very very handy side and this is the problem with football history is you you tend to get distracted by how how nations of especially in international football how nations have done in the past and uh, over many many decades but that might not have relevance to how good a team is you know now so 
Croatia, for example, I think were were maybe underestimated by England in 2006, in 2007, in, in 2009, in 2018, you know, numerous times. And I think we finally learned to take them seriously just because they haven't won a trophy. That, that doesn't mean they're not a major footballing force. And just because this Denmark team, you know, are, are the same country who has only won Euro 1992 and, and never got to a World Cup semi-final, etc. We've got to be careful not to underestimate them. But, but if there's one England team of the past that's going to make sure they don't underestimate their opponents, I think it is this one. And I think Southgate's a big reason but behind that, I don't think they'll underestimate Denmark, who can cause England problems, especially down the flanks. They're, they're a very handy side. England have got to work on their set pieces this week. I know they scored twice from set pieces against Ukraine, which was good to see. They've got to work on you know, tr- transitioning the, the midfield to the attack. It's important that players like Mount and Sterling, who you'd assume will start, can, can link to Harry Kane and provide for Harry Kane. The fullbacks have got to take risks because if you're too nervous... You're just going to have a result or a performance like you were, like it was against Scotland, uh, and I, I do think Scotland was the worst performance of this tournament because mainly because the fullbacks didn't take risks. They played on the halfway line for the entire game and they never went tried to go past their man. Now I understand why they might do that against Denmark for fear of defeat, but if you don't go and take risks to try and win, you won't win. So I hope that England are ballsy um, and and. Go, go for the jugular and if they do I think they've got enough to win which then or let's just look at the other semi-final very briefly Italy-Spain if you, if you were to pick one who would it be? Um, I don't know who I'd rather play against I think maybe Spain can be the team that you can get at more they probably offer less in, in attack you can probably defend against them better and you can probably get in behind them more easily so I think Spain you'd rather play but you know, Italy is probably the team that it will be, and so you've got to you've got to assume that it will be Italy in that final, and that they'll continue their form. They've won every game they've played so far. England haven't. They drew with Scotland. That said, England have, have got clean sheets in all of their games. I think it will be Italy, but even if it's Spain, you know that still rolls onto the following day where England have got to do what what they need to do to get there. You can't be watching Tuesday night and thinking, oh, we've got Spain next or we've got Italy next. No, you've got to win your semi-final first. They'll be pushed on by a buoyant crowd at Wembley. We know that that's true. And we know that they'll have a lot of support behind them at home as well. And indeed throughout the world, but they've got to actually do it. And to do that, they've got to be defensively tight at the back, which they have been. And they've got to score uh, some some goals, which is what they've started to do. I think England are the favourites and I think England are more likely to win than Denmark but um, that doesn't mean that it will happen we, we, we know we know as England supporters not to look beyond the uh, the next game H- Henry Winter came on my podcast a few um, weeks ago and said I-, I tend to not look beyond the next corner with England and I think that sums it up nicely yeah no you're right one game at a time one game at a time just mm. just one other thing back to to Gareth Southgate soon to be Sir Gareth no no let's one game at a time he said after the game <laughs> He gave this real human touch. He said it's it's the players that he has to leave out of the the match day squad that he feels for. It's such a such a job for him to pick those the right players, the right team, and just the whole man management. He's getting it spot on at the moment, isn't he? Well, people will argue about you know till the cows come home whether or not tactically he's the man to leave England but he's certainly the human to leave England 
he's certainly the person that you'd want in charge of your national team, considering after the prime minister and perhaps a few other jobs, not very many. This is the most demanding job in this country. He's got a hundred tasks to Clive Tilsey described it like this. He said he's got 100 tasks to do and he can do 99 perfectly. But if he gets the one wrong, he's finished and he's remembered for exactly what he doesn't want to be remembered for. Yeah. Uh, we know how England managers are remembered. The fake shake, the telegraph sting, the turnip, other things like that. You're not going to go down in history very well when you when you finish your work as England manager. But Gareth Southgate will say, I haven't finished my work as England manager and he's doing a very good job of it. And to mention, to go into the press conference and start off by speaking about the players who didn't get on, I think speaks of a man who has such humility and such, you know, at moments, his sort of self-reflection and his guilt as a person can actually detract from, from what he's doing. I think he sometimes over, over worries about how he's being perceived to others and if he's offended them. We, we, we see that the uh, the penalty miss still kills him 25 years on, even after beating Germany. But, you know, at other moments, it's his greatest strength. Make no mistake about it. I, I don't care how talented this England squad is. Without the right manager, you can have as talented squad as you want, but you're, you're not going to get anywhere. And Southgate and all of his backroom staff have been no perfect in this tournament. And if they do get to the final, which we're all hoping they will do, he'll be a massive, massive reason why. Absolutely. Nicely put. Dom, just just once more, we, we all know where you are on Twitter. I say at Mr. Dom Smith. But you mentioned the podcast there again. Just, uh, just briefly mention it again for us. Yeah, so obviously I, I write with uh, englandfootball.org, but I've also got a podcast going during the Euros, England Unmasked. You can find it on Spotify and, and indeed most platforms that, you, that you'd go for your, for your podcasts. And basically I, I host it with uh, my friend Luke Edwards, who's a, who's a freelance uh, researcher at the BBC. And um, we, we try and speak to leading football journalists after each England game, including the ones... <laughs> which England lose, although that hasn't happened yet, fingers crossed, to, to dissect the results. We've spoken to Henry Winter, chief football writer at The Times, John Cross, chief football writer at The Mirror, faker others of TalkSport, various others. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back again after the Denmark match. So you can you can find England Unmasked on Spotify or any other podcast platform that you can think of, pretty much. Super. Well done on that. And yeah, hopefully, maybe... We can talk again in this European Championships finals. There's not long left. We've got a week, I think, left. It finishes, well, the final is Sunday, July the 11th. One game at a time. Dom, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Hi, it's David Airy here, back by Unpopular Demand. Any pre-match nerves that I'd built yesterday were soon calm thanks to the early goal. I'm not a stato, but that seemed very quick for a recent England international goal. Said last time Maguire was key in scoring the second goal so early in the second half pretty much destroyed Ukraine's morale. Thought those fans in the ground did us proud and dispels the myth about the ground needing to be full for the atmosphere to be decent. Thank the Lord I'll be in the ground on Wednesday as another evening with Jermaine Genesis is too much to bear. Roll on Wednesday. Farville. Hi, Russell. Regular listener here, Dom from Exeter. I'm currently actually uh, self-isolating with COVID, so I've not enjoyed the games as much as I would have done. But nevertheless, if we get to the final, I'll be out for it. 
Next game, very good team against Denmark. You know, but if we play how you know, like we did uh, against Ukraine and Germany, then I can't see anyone stopping us. We're also back at home in the semi-final, so we are the ones really to beat. I think every every country left in it will be looking to us as the favourites, really. And it's the first time we've ever sort of actually been the favourites in 2018. You know, we got to this stage, but there was always France in the final. Croatia were as good as us, but now we genuinely look like we can win this. It is actually coming home. Hello, Russell. Gary here from Channel England Football again. Um, what a result. You, you can't help but feel that. That was a turning point for England. How, how many times have we ever seen England play like that? So comfortable in a quarterfinal, 4-0 victory. It was fantastic. One of the best nights of my time watching England. I think we've got enough to beat Denmark, but it'll be a tough game. And then the final is anyone's. But come on, England. I think now is the chance. Now or never. What a result. Great all-round performance. Um, believe that the uh, critics are now eating their words. Southgate seems to have won a lot of them over, including the pundits on Match of the Day. A good all-round performance by all. And uh, things are looking up. Mark Kirkpatrick, watching at home like most of us. Hi, Russell. It's Sam here from It's Coming Home TV. I mean, what a performance that was against Ukraine. Four great goals. You know, the uh, the early goal definitely helped, I think, settle the team down. Obviously, the quick goals um, in the second half as well really sort of, I think, put a lot of pressure onto Ukraine. And I think it was just it was the most comfortable game I think we'll ever watch. Um, absolutely gutted that we couldn't be there, but really, really looking forward to that semi-final on Wednesday now. We need to start believing in ourselves. Hi, it's Mike Curtis again. Yesterday was something as an England fan that brings back memories back to Euro 96 where we destroyed the Dutch. It was mental, majestic, blimmin' brilliant. Watched home with the old man, another clean sheet, four goals scored. For me, Kane should have had a hat-trick. My man matches a toss-up between Shaw and Kane. Nice one for all the England fans in Rome. Well happy for them, but gutted not to be there myself with the lads. But bring on the days on Wednesday. It just might be coming home. Oh, once again, thank you very much for all your input there on uh, your thoughts on last night's game. Real positivity there. Love it. Thank you very much. And and let's do it again after the Denmark game, after the Denmark game semi-final. That's right. Yeah, just email your thoughts, threelinespodcast at gmail.com. Rome, that was where we were. We all wanted to be there. Few of you got through. Uh, and I'm pleased to say that I am joined by someone who was there, Matthew. Matthew Halliday, you all right? Hi, Russell. Yes, I'm uh, very well, thank you, especially after being there in Rome last night. Oh, we, we spoke previously. You were kind enough to, we had a chat. It was about your first England away game, uh, which well, I think we put out middle of last year, uh, which was nil-nil against Costa Rica. <laughs> Slightly different last night, wasn't it? You know, it's funny bringing that up because I was just saying to my friends after the game, like just just the contrast between last night and then seven years ago, where you know when I flew out to Brazil two days after England got knocked out on the group stage, and obviously with my first game there being the the irrelevant nil nil dead rubber against Costa Rica, and then obviously seven years later we're we're here where we are, and it, it we shouldn't have made it look so easy in a, in a quarter final uh, of the Euros but we did and it was it was one of the most calmest England games I've ever been fortunate to witness there was really barely any stress or worries at all it was just an absolute pleasure to watch so 
back here there was all the the media talk about england fans cannot travel over to rome obviously we know why but there was a, a really healthy contingent of england fans over there a lot of them obviously european based uh, like yourself you are you're based in sweden um, so that's how i'm guessing you've you've managed to transit your way through to rome tell us what was it straightforward how did you get your ticket and that sort of thing yeah, so um, I knew all along that I would be fine going because obviously, um, you know, Sweden is in the Schengen zone. So I knew that the Italians would, would let me in. And I, I also have a, a Swedish passport as well, which, you know, boosted my, my confidence even further. So I got my, I got actually got free tickets straight after the final whistle against Germany on Tuesday. A very kind England fan gave them to me because he was uh, unable to go because of the Italian government's quarantine rules that were imposed uh, early last week. Yeah, I was obviously blown away by by how kind he was because he wasn't able to get money back from UEFA either. You know, he probably saw on my Twitter profile that I was, you know, a genuine England fan who was just looking to go to the game and no other motive. Yeah, as soon as I got the tickets, I then booked my flights and then yeah, flew out on Friday via Amsterdam and arrived late on Friday evening just as the Italian game was ending. Yeah, and then was able to go out for a bit on Friday, Friday night for a few beers with uh, three expats that I travelled with. Right. Two of them also live in uh, Stockholm and one of them lives in Holland. Right. Just a, a quick one. Do you know the name of the guy that gave you the tickets? Do you deserve a shout out? Yes, he he does deserve a shout out. Uh, and um, his name is uh, Mark. 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 You know who you are, Mark. You, you gave Matthew his tickets. So, uh, yeah, full credit to you. Nice one. That, that's the beauty of, of England fans and football fans in general, helping each other out. Um, Absolutely. So here at Wembley, we've had to go through the, the whole COVID situation, like lateral flow test. Was that the same for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um I took my COVID test in Stockholm on the Friday morning because I had to make sure that it was within 48 hours of the of the kickoff on mm. Saturday, which was 9 p.m. European time. So that it was it was good for me and that I was able to, you know, have a test, the same test for my flight, you know, from okay. Stockholm to Rome. But also I could then use that test for the game as well. Right. So, um, yeah, it worked out well in that respect. Excellent. So you landed just as as Italy were finishing their game, were you? Exactly. Yeah. So we, yeah, that was quite exciting, obviously, because it's always nice to go to to a country that still has their team involved in a tournament, because yeah. obviously the the nation is still fully, you know, involved with it. And um, yeah, the atmosphere on on Friday night when we had a few drinks in the in the streets was was brilliant, and obviously it just whetted the appetite ahead of Saturday evening's game as well. So. Moving on to to that guy. Well, you, you've obviously seen England and and the performances through the group stage, and obviously the Germany game. What, what were your thoughts going into the Ukraine game? Yeah, I was uh, I was very very confident that we would win. Uh, I thought it would be two 0 however, so I I wasn't expecting you know us to to just really produce such a perfect uh, performance. Um, I think the the two biggest points for me were that set pieces are well and truly back. Up until yesterday, there'd been, you know, some talk about how they weren't as good as what they were in Russia three years ago. And, you know, straight away, the team has just put those doubts to bed immediately with, you know, two fantastic set pieces. 
I, I thought it was interesting that that Shaw like took the the set piece for Maguire's goal ahead of you know midfielders such as Sancho, for example. Yeah. I mean, it just really sums up how how critical he is, and the, the fact that Shaw was withdrawn early on as well really uh, shows how high he is in um, Southgate's views. And then the second point is that we we now well and truly know that you know Harry Kane is you know on his goal scoring run, which he does you know, so many times throughout his career and it just it gives me so much confidence again ahead of uh, Wednesday really. So to get four goals was just it was just amazing. Cause um you know I felt we maybe could have got the second before half time. So the fact that it came, you know, well the second and first came, you know, within was it five minutes of yeah. the, the second half starting was just perfect. And then I was just a pleasure to watch. It was a Stadio Olympico Whereabouts were you there, and, and what what is it like in there? Because it's a ground I've not been to. Yeah, it's uh, so I was in the the Curva Sud, uh, meaning south in in English. So I was to the uh, right of the the TV cameras as you look at it on the on the TV. So I would say that most uh, most of the England fans were were in those were, were in that area, uh, which actually made for a pretty good atmosphere, all things considered, because. I'm not the biggest fan of the grounds with an athletics track, but the I think the the roof above certainly boosted the um, the atmosphere within the ground. To be fair, especially when you consider that obviously it wasn't uh, a full capacity, uh, so we were we were certainly very loud, and it the, the ground did make for a good atmosphere. Still, so. it was a a really good atmosphere, and and all the England fans in there, you could hear you on the telly. Back here, I'm glad I'm glad you say that loud and clear uh, yes. it was it was really sort of because beforehand I, I was under the impression that there was going to be quite a large Ukrainian presence in there and there was we, we saw the Ukrainian fans on the telly but I don't know was was it 50 50 between you guys it wasn't I have to say Russell I thought before the game you know having been in Rome wandering around during the day that it would be 50 50 but it was only when, uh, you know, at the final whistle, when you, you saw um, in all four corners of the ground, you, all the England fans obviously came to the front when the team were doing a lap of honour. Yeah. And, then, and then I realised, actually, we, we did have representation in, you know, all areas of the ground. I thought we were mainly in the area where I was, because Ukraine certainly did have a, a section directly opposite me. But, um, yeah, I would say we, we did, we did uh, outnumber them. Yeah, you can never underestimate... Uh, uh, and, and England's force, can you? With all their travelling and everything, find our way, don't we? Yeah, we do. it's it's every tournament we we come up good with it. It's it's brilliant. Oh, it's excellent. Um, and so after the game, where you find yourself uh, anywhere in Rome? Yeah, I um, I went back uh, with uh, I was with five expats, and we we yeah we went to some street bars again, and we were. We were out probably until about two thirty in the morning. Yes, uh, celebrating the celebrating the victory. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a great night. Excellent. And so, I mean, you're, we've, we're talking to you. You're in Amsterdam. Is that Schiphol Airport you're in at the moment? Correct. Yeah. So making your way back. What what are your thoughts now? Going looking ahead to Denmark and dare you think a little bit further? I think it's first. It's great to be back at Wembley knowing that, you know, we haven't got any more travelling to do, whatever happens. And I 
yeah, it, it also feels good that there's now just like one game left before the final. So, you know, we we just we just need to focus on that Denmark game and get get the win, which I, I wish I am confident of. Uh, and then we can, yeah, we can we can look at things after that. But uh, full focus on Wednesday for now, absolutely. But yeah, I've got. I'm very very confident. I, I mean, I didn't see much of the Denmark game, but it's it didn't seem to me that they blew away the the Czechs, you know, like we did to the Ukrainians. So yeah, um, yeah let's fingers crossed for Wednesday. But I'm very hopeful of, of the win. Matthew, great to hear from you. Thank you very much for for joining us and and literally on, on behalf of all of us sat on our sofa or or in a pub across England uh, or anywhere in the world for for you guys to to be there and and cheering on the boys for us. Now, thank you very much and have a uh, have a safe trip back. Thank um, you. And yeah, let's hope to speak again at some point. Absolutely, Russell. Thank you. Right then, Denmark it is. Uh, and I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, Paul Olsen. He's on Twitter at the underscore clap underscore hat or clap hatton. Uh, Paul, you all right? I'm all right, thanks. Russell, yourself? Yeah, very good, very good. Excited? Very much so. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to bashing the Three Lions here in the, in the coming week. So uh, it'll be an exciting week. Yeah, whereabouts are you? You're in Denmark, aren't you? Yes, I'm in Denmark, and uh, yeah, everything is going completely national team bonkers frenzy. So, if there's something with the voice, that's because of two. yesterday was a long night. So. Yeah, well, we've all been there. We all know exactly how it feels. I mean, going into the tournament, did you expect this? Uh, me personally, as a, yeah, an idiot, I, I I did hope for this, and I think that. The, the positive side of the people we sort of hope for the semi-finals. I don't think it's a, it, it's a goal for for the team as well. So I wouldn't say we expected it, but the, with the draw coming out as it did, it, it's it's not like a miracle, not yet at least. Not yet. To say it's been a little bit of a uh, a hard slog for you is a little bit of an understatement. Just to to go back over those group stage games, you lost to Finland in the opener one nil, and then you lost to Belgium two one, uh, and then you you absolutely annihilated uh, Russia four one um, in a game in Copenhagen. There, let's just start with the obvious that that first game against Finland. I personally. You wouldn't have lost that had the uh, the circumstances been different. No, uh, I mean here we've, we've sort of written it off on uh, <laughs> tactically or what happened on the pitch because uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I was in the stadium and it was, was not a nice feeling to be there. It was not a nice thing that they continued the game and all that. So luckily uh, it didn't matter in the end. But uh, yeah, that was a night game. So we yeah, we basically written it off. Like uh, yeah, Chinese style. <laughs> but I mean, from from the way I look at it, we get a lot of obviously the media saying about um, Christian Eriksen and and all the good news that he's he's feeling well now. Would it be safe to say though that the the Danish team are running on that emotion as well? No, it wouldn't. Uh, I think they very much uh, are running on emotional fuel from that Christian Eriksen incident and. It, it was tied in a group beforehand, but they've really 
come together now and the, with the Casper Yulman, the coach, really the the leader of the bunch, and it's it's really good uh, good unit. That being said, it's also not to be neglected that these are quality players playing for quality clubs all around uh, Europe. So the Ericsson incident has haven't hurt, hurt the team. Uh, well, apart from the obvious that yeah. uh, our best player doesn't play anymore, but <laughs> other than that, it's been a, it's been a good thing. Yeah. The Russia game, were you there for that one? I was, yes. What a game that was. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, and you know, there's, there's a difference between a scrappy goal or corner kick goal uh, to the emotion from a long-range shot. And we were spoiled by three in that game. And it's just mayhem. I mean, yeah, that was amazing. Amazing game. It's a, it's a great stadium, that one, the Parken in Copenhagen. It's so tight to the pitch and it, it really did feel like, well, the, the fans really connected with the players there. I mean, some of the grounds in this tournament, uh, you've got your Baku and Seville. It's, the, the stands are so far away from the spectators, but that, that game there, it was, it was, everything was just perfect really for you. Yeah, it really was. And I couldn't agree more. I, I don't know if, a free choice of all the stadiums in, uh, in Europe and they chose uh, five athletic stadiums, but uh, yeah, be that as it may. The Russian game and that evening, everything about it was just perfect for us, at least. And uh, yeah, it was amazing and it sparked this wave that we're riding on our, on, not on the team, but in the country as the Euro frenzy keeps, keeps going. That started that night. Uh, so round of 16, you faced Wales and I, and I think... Obviously, the, the Christian Eriksen incident, Denmark have kind of become everyone's second team, really. They all want to yeah. see you, you do well until we come up and play you, obviously. And I think that's how Wales felt. But you, you've dispatched them with ease. And then, obviously, the, the Czech Republic in the quarterfinal. You, I don't know, it wasn't the, the easiest of games, that one, but you, you came through it. Yeah, we did. The Wales game kind of just panned out for us and if we're allowed to play against one of those teams that they have to force the game then we are dangerous on the counter that happened against Russia as well Czech Republic game you would have thought would have gone in the same vein and I think we could have won that game maybe 3 or 4 won as well by if a couple of other things has gone right but this game was this it was tough I mean it's the worst game we've played uh, well apart from the Finland game which doesn't exist so uh, it was really a struggle and a battle and uh, yeah, proof that our team really they can stand low and we have uh, Andres Christensen uh, Simon Kerr and uh, Yannick Westergaard Kasper Schmeichel players whom you know that I'm familiar with so we can keep it low and just block off and uh, we did that and yeah right semis so yeah you mentioned Kasper Schmeichel there uh, I mean he's he's just in the right place at the right time, isn't he? Obviously, he's he's been there for Leicester and done it there, and he's coming through um, with yourselves. He's he's the number one. You, you have you have got some great players in that team, and and they're they're a team to be feared. It, it, absolutely. Well, I don't know about that because our, our offensive uh, players are not as uh, recognisable as I mean, in the England side is is a list of God given talent up front. But uh, especially defensively, we are a world-class team from the, uh, from the back. So uh, I don't know if that, that is to be feared, but it certainly can be rather ignoring, irritating to play against, I guess. 
We've played each other a fair few times over the years. Apparently, we've, we've met 21 times. England have won 12. Denmark have won four, and there have been five draws. And, and the most recent of games was, in fact, uh, a victory for Denmark back in the, the Nations League when we had no fans in the ground at Wembley. Christian Eriksen penalty. I mean, do you take heart from that, I guess? I believe we do. That game actually became a little bit famous because we had a famous game against England at Wembley back in the 80s where yeah. our big star, uh, Alan Simons, scored a, a penalty goal and we won 1-0. And so we kind of run, ran the tape back. Yeah, I mean, this was just an agency game, but I, I think we're going to take a lot from that. Uh, we played you two games. We didn't concede a goal. Obviously, the, the win we had at Wembley was a little bit skewed by an early um, send-off for Harry Maguire. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we consider England favourites, definitely. Yeah. But, but we don't, we don't uh, dislike the role as an underdog. In fact, our best game at this tournament was against Belgium, which, we, <laughs> interestingly, we lost, but the, by far the best game we've played. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that game in like, the early 80s, and I think that was... I've got a funny feeling that was one of Bobby Robson's very early games as, as England manager. And I think it knocked us out of qualification for Euro 84, I think. But another game that I do remember, the game that I actually went to, uh, 2002 in the World Cup uh, in Japan. Do you, I don't know if you remember that one. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's a horror game. Uh, as, as much of a horror game as they come. I mean, an early drop from the keeper and... England scores, I think it was Rio Ferdinand, uh, and from there on it was just uh, yeah, one-way traffic and get this match and tournament over with and done dusted as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah, England fans doing the conga in the rain, I remember that one, getting bullet trains home through the night in Japan. Great memories from oh, that one. <laughs> I bet, I bet. I mean, we can't have a uh, a Denmark conversation without sort of referring back to, to previous Danish teams who've who've done well. Obviously, there's the the 1992 team, which probably went with with no fear because of the, the circumstances that came with it. But I've got a book here that I'm sure you're you may be aware of. It's called Danish Dynamite. Um, for anyone that isn't aware of this book, uh, Danish Dynamite: The Story of Football's Greatest Cult Team. It it refers back to the sort of the 1986 so it probably starts really at that where we mentioned the early 80s team that put England out but sort of more focuses in on the the 86 World Cup on those sort of players of Laudrup and um it was Frank Arneson, Jesper Olsen, Jan Mulby was involved with it as well I mean that was a real cult team is is this team up there with with that team or or even the 92 team yeah um Obviously, the biggest legends uh, that walk, walk on Danish earth are the 20 guys who won the Euros in 1992. Yeah. Interestingly, it's not the most popular team because that 86 team, they played their be- behinds off and in an offensive way, play style, Holland-esque. And the players was so uh, emotionally uh, explicit about what they did, especially... We had uh, a striker called Preben uh, Elke Larsen, fantastic person, fantastic player, and 
this new crop now it rivals them, I think, because it's positive football. We score a lot of goals. And now, after that Ericsson incident, no one's afraid of showing emotions. And you saw uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg uh, yesterday on his knees crying, I mean, helplessly crying. And Thomas Delaney, the other midfielder, came running and getting a hug like a, a father hugs his children. And so the emotion they share with us, the, the, uh, the country, Denmark, we, we, we are in awe of it. And we're really, really behind this team now. Uh, this is probably the most popular team since that 86 team. Do you think you can do this? Can you beat England? We are we are we're on this uh, cloud nine now, so we believe in anything. I mean, uh, I will prefer Spain in the final. So oh, that's okay. where we are. <laughs> but lots of Carlsberg being drunk, I guess. Oh yes, oh yes, uh, and port. So uh, the majority of uh, apartments in Copenhagen on a day like this smell like beer because of beer showers. So ah, uh, uh, yeah, we're yeah. used to that. <laughs> I bet so. Yeah. Well, um, we found you on Twitter. Go on, just explain to us what you do on Twitter, your Twitter handle and all that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, the Twitter handle is uh, yeah, hat, and uh, it's basically the thing we wear, all the Danish fans, when there's a national team football game, it's a hat with a two clapping hands and you can, uh, yeah, you have to see it to, to know Pull the string is. underneath, uh, don't you, in the hands move. Yeah, yes, rightfully so. And uh, what I do, I do a little bit of, uh, I follow the transfer news for Danish players, Danish teams, and uh, do a little bit of scouting for Danish players abroad and at home to see how the connection between the national team and the uh, youth teams. And uh, yeah, so give it a shout or, or listen or look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I will link to it on the Free Lions podcast. Paul, thank you very much for your time. Enjoy the game. May the best team win. Oh, yes, uh, don't mention it, and uh, good luck to you. There we go. England are in the semi-finals of the European Championships 2020 in 2021. Wembley is the venue, Denmark the opposition. Much like Ukraine... It is important we don't underestimate them. But it is certainly something to be excited and nervous and proud about. My thanks go to Paul Olsen there. You can find him at the underscore clap underscore hats. Thanks to Matthew Halliday who bought us the experience of Rome. Uh, He's Matt Halliday 9. And of course Dom Smith from englandfootball.org at Mr Dom Smith on Twitter there. again. Thank you for tuning in and for providing your 30-second reviews. Don't forget, you can find the show on all the usual podcast platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. And if you've not done it yet, a review on the likes of iTunes would be most appreciated. I've managed to get this episode done during daylight hours, in between various media duties. I've never been so busy. Uh, including a piece on the new GB News. So my last word has to go to Alastair Stewart, who I had a chat with. Some of you may remember him from Police Camera Action and, of course, ITV News fame. These 
were his kind words about the podcast. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because I believe that that's actually bad luck. So we'll just both smile at each other and hope that your podcast is full of ways and do-do-do's when you do it. But enjoy the show very much, indeed. Good to see you, Russell. Thanks very much, indeed. I'll be back after the Denmark game. Maybe. Just maybe. Cheers. Cheers.